Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Start the sports week on ESPN Honolulu with the sports animals today. The Rainbow Wahine are back in town. We've got uh, tickets to give away to their game. Also, some uh, Warrior volleyball tickets. Keep listening for that. Uh, as we go down the top stories we're following today, of course, University of Hawaii football spring camp opens today. It still sounds weird hearing spring practice in January, but they'll have those 15 practices that will end with a spring game, sort of a spring game, I guess, on February 24th. But they are back, and a lot of new coaches that uh, we are excited about. Yeah, a lot of new players we're excited about, too, to go uh, uh, check out. Uh, UH Court Sports, all winners, uh, over well, at least over from Saturday, from <laughs> this, this weekend. So victories. Uh, for the Rainbow Wahine and the men in basketball against Cal Poly. And Hawaii Volleyball showed Ball State who the volleyball capital of the world should belong to. Yeah, that's still upsetting. And uh, they did win yesterday in four over a ranked team, so it definitely helps them getting those road wins like that. Now they have something like an 11-game homestand starting this Friday. And uh, it's great, always great when you have a weekend when Hawaii has W's, 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 and W's instead of those L's. So Saturday was a good day and Sunday as well. What Gary, explain to folks what you say it was upsetting for folks that weren't listening last week. That What, what do you mean? I don't know what you mean. You said that was still upsetting, but you're glad they went. Oh. What Gary's referring to is that uh, Ball State claims to be the volleyball capital of the world. And we took exception to that last week. So that's why I, that's why we're, we're so happy that Hawaii was able to beat them in four. It was close. Not easy for yeah. the Rainbow Warriors, but Alakai Todd came out and uh, showed up big time along with Spiris Hakas. All right, we'll move on here. The Motivate, found, uh, Motivate Foundation HHSAA Girls Soccer State Championships begin today with D1 and D2 gets underway on Wednesday. We got soccer, basketball right around the corner. A lot of championships coming up in high school sports. A lot of great teams out there. Always a fun time of the year when you have these state tournaments. Yeah, so you've got the, uh, let's see, uh, starting off today, uh, Baldwin is going to face uh, Moana Lua. Uh, that is in Maui. Mililani at home against Kaiser. You've got uh, Waiakea at home against Kapole. And. Um, Kamehameha Kapalama at home taking on Waipahu. That's today. Now, there was something that came out last week, um, and it had seedings for the girls' D2 tournament. But uh, it had Pac-5 and Seabury as seeded teams. But uh, this uh, news came out, I think it was late last week, there weren't enough teams on the D2 level participating in ILH and the MIL to qualify as a champion 
So they uh, kind of uh, revised the seeding for the D2 tournament, which again starts on Wednesday. Uh, Kauai is a number one seed. Number two seed is Kamehameha Hawaii. And number three are the Falcons of Kalani. Pack five still playing on uh, getting a bye, but they're not considered a seeded team with a, uh, as a league champion. Interesting they do that in soccer, but not football. Yeah, that is a little different, a little curious to think about that, yes. You have a look on your face. I just say that's. I'm just saying that's. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, and uh, you heard what were a lot of people talking about all uh, day yesterday, and uh, I'm sure this week. Well, we got a matchup for Super Bowl Fifty Eight. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs go back to the Super Bowl. The Forty ers are back. It's set in Las Vegas two weeks from now, February. What is it? Eleventh. Yes. And uh, yeah, we got. You know what? I, I I was kind of rooting for the Lions, rooting for the Forty ers but you know what? We got a Super Bowl filled with stars and all pros. It should be a great game. It has the makeup of a great game with the stars, as you said. And both teams are certainly deserving. But it didn't seem that way all day yesterday. And I, I, I had faith in Mahomes. Like, you know, I'm never going to write him off as long as he's healthy and you have a Travis Kelsey. Baltimore is still a great team. But that was a weird game that there was only three points scored in the second half. Both teams had opportunities. Both quarterbacks did in that second half. I was pulling for Detroit as well in the NFC. And, boy, I thought at halftime, this game was all but over i knew there was a lot of time left and that just goes to show that even though a game might look over earlier at halftime in any sport it isn't necessarily over because the niners did an unbelievable job getting back in that second half detroit helped them just a little bit as well Hardy wilson's going to join us in about 25 minutes uh we'll get his thoughts on uh, university of hawaii rainbow warrior basketball with their win uh, um, back in the win column for the first time in a while. Gosh, at least at home. But uh, they did uh, come out and win um, against uh, Cal Poly. That was oh, that was uh, refreshing to see. I feel good for the coaches and players to get back into their uh, winning ways as they uh, were uh, earlier this season. So going back to the game here, uh, really the Chiefs and the the Chiefs and the Ravens. Usually, if it's like. You know, what was the final score? 17 to 10. Yeah. Usually it's like, oh, gosh, boring. But you know what? Because we like to see a lot of scoring. But that was a that was an intense game. That was like a nail-biter the entire game going back and forth. I mean, there were so many, you know, I, I thought that Travis Kelsey and Roquan Smith or Patrick Queen. and I mean, I, after every play, you're on the, the, the edge of your seat going, are these guys going to be for what? I mean, it was intense. There was a lot of pushing and shoving and mouthing off, and it was like these guys were the Steelers and the Ravens, not the Chiefs and the Ravens. I guess that set the tone when in warm-up, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes told Justin Tucker to move his kicking gear, and then Travis Kelsey just tossed it aside in the end zone when Justin Tucker was getting ready to warm up. So there was no love loss. And as far as the game itself, even though it wasn't very high scoring, especially in the second half, it did have drama because it was so close. And Lamar Jackson and the Ravens did have a chance to tie it in that fourth quarter until he threw that interception. So even though it didn't have the scoring of the NFC game, it did have a lot of drama. That's what you want. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it, the, the fighting in the middle of the game didn't lead to what happened in the pregame. It goes the other way around. Just to help you out there, Gar. I'm just saying but that was intense before it, the it game. It was, was, yeah. was talking trash. It, it started out, uh, that, it, that's probably that maybe what started it out. But, man, the, the, the talking did not stop. 
it was just the you know the entire game it seemed like and you know what that's kind of fun to watch though because if you're familiar with in my opinion one of the best rivalries in football are the Steelers and the Ravens usually when the Steelers are a little better but I mean those guys they're, they're just going off on each other and you know what that's kind of what football should be because it's a it's a tough sport and it's tough to win there's so much on the line that um you know that made this really enjoyable think you were mentioning um lamar jackson and whenever you hear a lot of people talk about lamar jackson i'm talking about you know announcers and things like that they say oh is you know throwing has gotten much better well you know what i think he digressed in that he was he was he was as i forget the announcer's name who did the afc game anyway uh it might have been tony romo no he did the afc Okay, uh, the uh, whoever did the first game, uh, the oh, tight it was end. Tony Rob, it was Tony Rob. Okay, uh, it was Tony Romo. Thank you. Yeah, the the the, the Olson did the second game. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, they kept saying, "Hey, you can't try and do too much," and it's almost like he was trying to do too much. He was trying to win the game on one play, and those were some bad interceptions. They, they were. I mean, you throw it in the triple coverage in the end zone. I mean, I know you're trying to force things, and it was in the fourth quarter, but you shouldn't have forced things like that. You're a great runner. I mean, I know it's an instant instant reaction when you make that decision, but for a guy that's going to be named the MVP in a week or so, that was a little curious there, and that, that wasn't just the only play that cost them, but it was a big one, and it was in the middle or early in the fourth quarter, whenever it was, that really hurt them a lot. Well, really it wasn't just that. that one. It was almost like, hey, uh, we need a, you know, a a key play here and uh you know he did not deliver with his arm i you know it's when did i guess i haven't seen much of patrick Mahomes, uh, not patrick uh, lamar jackson because I, i'm thinking you know this guy's got such great legs why doesn't he have a, just take off do that's some what, rpos that's what I was saying. just oh. take just take off and run with the ball or run the establish the run all of a sudden they think they're eric Coriel out there you're a running team. That's what got you there. You know, the same thing with, you know, we'll get into Dan Campbell. I'm sure you want to talk about Dan Campbell going on fourth down, but that's what got you there. Yeah. You got to dance with who you, you got to dance with who you brung to the dance. Brung. But I mean, that's the old saying, right? I mean, yeah. you know what? Go out and establish the run. It was like they were panicking all of a sudden. Now, look, the Chiefs played some really good defense. Uh, that was a great defensive, uh, you know, holding a holding a championship type team like the Ravens to ten points in a in a playoff game. That's pretty awesome, especially on the road. Especially on the road, and those are the top two defenses in the AFC. Uh, so I wasn't sure if it was going to be one of these games, which it turned out to be. I just thought with the quarterbacks on both teams, you'd have more points. And Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned, Chris, in the Houston game the week before, they did use his legs. He only had eight rushing attempts. I don't know how many of them were scrambled versus designed runs, but it didn't seem like there were many designed runs, and that is a strength of his. When the passing game was only doing so much, why not use your main weapon? And it was just the running game and Lamar Jackson, and neither of them really was used enough in that game. I agree. All right. Well, thank you for agreeing. You know, you don't you don't actually target what? Where did Odell Beckham get his first target in that game? In the fourth quarter? I don't. It was probably was. Kind of, I don't know if it was that late, but it was early. He had a couple of catches, but it, it could have been. It was early. It was I, I, said I, don't, early? I said I don't know if it was earlier than I thought. It might have been oh. that he was targeted, uh, but he did have three catches in that game. But he wasn't a factor. That's for sure. 
How about the game uh, uh, for Travis Kelsey? Unbelievable. He had 11 catches, 116 yards, broke the NFL record for postseason receptions, uh, and uh, he uh, finished the game with 156 yards. Wow. 116 yards he had. Uh, finishing with the game with 156. I wonder what I'm reading here. Uh, the record previously held by Jerry Rice with 151. Those are the catches. I thought you said yards as far as he had 116 yards, but 156 catches now, yes. In his oh, 156 career. catches for yeah. the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the year? For the career, his career in postseason. That's the record he set. Gotcha. But, I mean, that's pretty cool to set a record. But when you beat Jerry Rice for a record, mm. oh, that's got to make, that's gotta make uh, his girlfriend happy. As a tight end, especially. So oh, yeah, that. really, yeah. I saw one headline, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, you know, does a great job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe he's taking a little bit of a backseat now to her. But yeah, hey, he, you I, know what? The NFL's happy because Taylor Swift made it to the Super Bowl. In her first year. In I her love first it. first year as yeah. a rookie. I, you know, I'm glad they didn't show her after the game as far as the immediate celebration. She uh, was on the field. Well, she was on the field. They showed yeah, her later they showed on. her on the field. But I said in the immediate celebration when they showed everybody, you know, congratulating each other, they did not glance up to the box to show her. Maybe she was in route right. to the field. I'm glad because it should have been about the players at that point, just the players and the players mm. and coaches on the field. So I was glad TV didn't go that route. Yeah, and I'm sure she was on her way down to the field, right? Or Probably. she was already down on the field. I mean, that's how, you know, the announcement that, uh, you know, Jim Nance to present the trophy, they're all on their way down. But I don't mind. I, I think it's fun. I, I think it, it's it's entertainment. It's fun. Oh, some people who tune into the game don't care about football. They only ter- care about Taylor Smith. Uh, Taylor Kevin Smith. Smith? Oh, who's Taylor- that? Anyway, I'm just getting at what I'm getting at is, Oh my gosh! Everybody relax a little bit. She's she's a she's a mega star, and we get to see her actually acting like a you know in in a as a human being in a real setting, not on stage performing in a concert or some you know Capital One commercial or something. I think I, I think it's kind of fun. I don't even like Taylor Swift. I don't even I couldn't tell you any of her songs, but it's kind of fun to see. Uh, other, you know, everybody enjoy the game. I like to see all the people in the booth. I was, uh, you know, a little bummed to see that um, Travis, that, that uh, Jason Kelsey was wearing a shirt. You know, that was kind of a bummer. That bumped you out, huh? Yeah, it really bummed me out. It was, but anyway, I enjoy that kind of stuff because it, I'm watching for entertainment. Uh, you know, so anyway, 16 minutes after the hour here on ESPN, Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. If you have a comment you'd like to text in, go ahead at 808-296-1420. We are, well, see, we're not really the official home of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Across the hallway there at CBS 1500, that's where we've been hearing 49ers games for over over a decade probably now. And uh, they come from the, man, this reminds me of the Atlanta Falcons in uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, they come b- back uh, and from behind, beat the Lions 34-31. to 
again, that game looked over in the first at halftime. You had three different running backs scoring a touchdown for Detroit in that first drive. They just moved the ball downfield at will. And I remember the stat from last week against Green Bay. It was the first time all year the 49ers defense has let up a 100-yard rusher. Well, I mean, look what yes, look what happened yesterday with Detroit. Now, they didn't have a 100-yard rusher, but they had three guys contribute, uh, combining for 182 yards, I believe. And they were, just, again, running the ball too easily. The defense was a little vulnerable, to say the least. I thought Detroit had complete control of the game. You could kind of sense it at different points of that second half that it was the Niners game, though. Brandon Ayuk's catch uh, off the Detroit defender, uh, the fumble by Williams right after that. I think it was right after that touchdown. And I'll give Detroit credit for not quitting when it looked like the Niners had the game won, which was crazy considering halftime. They scored that touchdown a little bit too late, though, to have a chance. But uh, it was exciting. It was dramatic. Yeah. I feel really bad for Detroit. I was pulling for them, but I'm happy for the Niners. I'm not, you know, not a Niner hater at all. And I know they have a great team, but it's all bad yeah. for Detroit. Just FYI, only two running backs scored touchdowns for the Lions uh, in that game. I want to get more into this. Also, Rainbow Warrior basketball. Uh, Artie Wilson is going to join us in just a bit, too. All coming up here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. And uh, we got something very special happening if you're a University of Hawaii football fan. You can meet the new recruit recruits and coaches and some of uh, Hawaii's current football players. It's something uh, called the National Letter of Intent Dinner. It's coming up Wednesday, February 7th at the Sheraton Waikiki Beach Resort. You can get individual tickets and tables on sale. All the details await you at nakoa.org. That's nakoa.org. We'll be right back. I was just talking with Tanner uh, off the air, and I mentioned what a great draft the Detroit Lions had. Jack Campbell, your second leading tackler of that game, with seven tackles. Brian Branch has been a force all year. And uh, who else did they draft? Did Jack, uh, let's see, Gibbs. Jack Campbell. Who were the other two guys? Well, Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, who they got criticism for taking Jameer Gibbs in the first round. Wow, that guy's fast. And the tight end, Laporta, hit him too as a rookie. Now, Sam Laporta, is was he the offensive rookie of the year? We don't know we that don't know yet, yet, right? But he's he's uh, he's nominated for I offensive believe, yeah, rookie yeah. of the year. But, yeah. uh, man, what a draft. You have another one of those? You had four more starters? Eight of your starters are that young? Unbelievable. And I don't have the whole list, but the last three drafts, they pointed out how many impact players, including Aiden Hutchinson the year before. Sure. They've got a number of really good players three years in a row that were impact players for this uh, playoff run that they had. So great job, it, Detroit. It was good to see Malcolm Rodriguez, Rodriguez back in the game. Rodrigo, <laughs> you'll remember, right. from HBO Hard Knocks. But it was good to see him uh, get back in the lineup. He lost his starting job earlier in the year, uh, but good to see him back. But, uh, yeah, anyway, gosh, the Lions are a great story. But now that all the dust is cleared, I'm really happy for the state of Hawaii because Hawaii is a 49ers town. Oh, yeah, it is. I know there'll be a lot of fans cheering for the Niners. I saw a ton of them yesterday at Ruby Tuesday. A lot of them wearing jerseys, none of them wearing Detroit jerseys. I feel bad, though, for, you know, Dan Campbell made a comment after the game, and one of them was, you know, I told the team this might be the only time you ever get there. 
And I know what he meant by that, but it's kind of sad to think of it that way. I don't think they're a one-hit wonder. I think they're going to be around for a long time with what they've got right now. I don't know about the quarterback situation four years from now, but Jared Goff surprised a lot of people and showed that he is legit and better than legit, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He had his best year statistically, but in that game, did you notice, did he ever complete a pass rolling out? It seems when he gets out of the pocket, nothing happens for whatever reason. I can think of a few incompletes, that's for sure, especially right. in the fourth quarter. I mean, like that guy, number, what was the guy that dropped the pass on the fourth down? Uh, gosh, the receiver, number eight, 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 oh, Josh Reynolds, Reynolds thank you, Tanner. But, I mean, Josh Reynolds, if a ball hits you in the hands and you're a professional wide receiver making a few million dollars, that's on you. Now, could it have been a better ball? Maybe. I mean, he was under pressure. But I don't think there was one pass because after a while, I started logging this stuff down. I don't think there was a completion where Jared Goff ran in the pocket. To me, look, if if you're Lamar Jackson and you're great during the regular season, and look, the Ravens got there playing in the toughest division in the league, at least in my opinion, or if you go off of wins and losses, of the teams in your um, in your division, well, yeah, I mean, they had a tough road to get there. But I don't know, watching that game, and he could be like the MVP, like you said, but watching that game, I wasn't thinking, ooh, Lamar Jackson's one of the elite quarterbacks. Because he sure didn't get it done, and he, he was not throwing like an elite quarterback in that game. And that's one of the reasons that I've said all year long, even though I know Baltimore is great, I just wasn't a total believer in them. He didn't seem like a guy who can win a game for you in the fourth quarter in a tight playoff game. Yesterday was just one example. He's still a great quarterback. He's not the best, but he's one of the best and a lot of great, a lot of great quarterbacks in the league. Uh, but it was surprising how their offense, and again, Kansas City's defense was good, but it was surprising to me that they only put up three points in that second half. I thought they would get a little bit more done at home, and they you know- didn't. And you know what? And and Kansas City is not a blitzing team. They were rushing four all game long. And they put, you know, you got Ronnie Stanley, who's an all pro. I don't know if he is this year, but he has been in the past. I mean, you've got a really good, supposedly, offensive line in Baltimore. And and uh, um, I'm, uh, I'm struggling with uh, one of the guy's names on Kansas City, number 95. Chris Jones? Probably, yeah. Chris Jones, that guy was all banged up. He was slow to get up after every play. But, man, those guys were rushing for the entire game. They might have blitzed once towards the end. But with, uh, you know, it was they, – they could – they didn't give Lamar Jackson much time. That's why – I mean, that's why you got to go with a lot of screen passes. And, you know what, some RPOs. Go ahead and take the ball and run with it. I think that John Harbaugh got outcoached. I really do. Yeah, and, you know, the thing is, they're one of the better rushing teams in the league. They only rushed for 81 yards. And I know in right. the fourth quarter you're trailing, you might have to pass the ball. That only explains a drive or two. Before <sighs> yeah, that, you, though, they weren't using it You're trailing much. by a touchdown. That's not trail. That's not like you're down and you gotta you got to hurry up and score. Go back and, 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 you know, play Ravens football. I'm sure that's what they're talking about in Baltimore right now. They probably are. And I've heard criticism even late last night about the play calling for Baltimore. It was just a little bit different looking team on offense yesterday. And again, give Kansas City some credit for that. Uh, And I I think also part of it 
is the experience of these guys being in tough situations over the years. Kansas City I'm talking about. Even though Baltimore's been in the playoff, they haven't been in the championship game in a while. I'm not sure how many players have except for maybe Odell Beckham. Uh, still a great team. They just fell a little short against a really good team. But I'm sure there's a ton of disappointment. This was the year for them. Number one seed, they had some injured players along the way in the AFC that they might have to play in the playoffs. A struggling Kansas City team this year, and still it didn't work out, but they fell just a little short. But a lot of teams would like to trade places with them. Well, yeah, and, I, you know, it, you had Mark Andrews back. You know, I'm making it back for the playoffs. And how many times? Yeah, two receptions. I think they only targeted him like three times. No, only twice. Two targets to Mark Andrew, that's it. I mean, Isaiah Likely's out there. He's balling it up. But, um, yeah, they. you know what? They've got the talent to come back. They've got the de- that defense to come back uh, at this point. Like Dan Campbell said, it's hard to come back. But, heck, I guess the memes are out here, too. Got a text. Uh, thank you guys for texting in at 808-296-1420. Dan, there's <laughs> a joke on YouTube, I guess. Uh, Dan Campbell playing blackjack. Uh, he gets 18. Hit me. <laughs> uh, he, the texter goes on to say, gambled away two field goals and lost by three. Also ran the ball with under two minutes left on the Niners' three-yard line, forcing the Lions to burn a timeout and allowing the Niners to run out the clock in the end. Great motivator, poor strategist, and poor Kanoa, they say. Yeah, you know, and uh, Kenny Harrison is uh, also, I saw that article uh, that, it's uh, Kanoa in the uh, Star Bulletin column, and Dave Rudin said he Star doesn't know anyone else. What did I say, Star Bulletin? Anyway, yeah. so he doesn't know any of the uh, he doesn't know any of the Lions fans, but but Kenny Kenny Harrison, mm. who he knows, is a Lions fan. But anyway, uh, yeah, you know, it's that's what Dan Campbell does. And if you break down the odds, and you look at the odds of third and one or whatever these situations were. It was so close. It was a fifth, really a 50-50 chance. It was like 39.3 chance to go for it on fourth down, 38.9 chance don't go for it. Those numbers are not correct. Go look up the article at ESPN.com. Both times he went for it on fourth down, it was a risk, yes, but according to odds, and they do these kinds of things, there was, uh, you know, it wasn't, it, it was a, either way. It was 50-50 either way both times. And Dan Campbell went for it on fourth down all season long. You know how many percentage of the time, Gary? 34%. Yes. So that's more than anybody this century. And it brought him to the, a, the NFC Championship game. Even the announcer, uh, Greg Olson, I was going to call him Bob Olson, uh, Bobo Olson wasn't he a boxer back in the day? <laughs> Maybe Greg Olson, man, that guy's a great. I, I started paying attention to the analysts in this game because of the criticism about Tony Romo. Boy, you have Tony Romo, and I can see what they were saying in the New York Post how the guy's not. It's like he's not prepared or something. I don't, I don't know what it is, but anyway, Greg Olson comes on, and it's, I mean the education you get in football. Watching with Greg Olson and I forget the other guy, generic guy that's you know really good too, is uh, is uh, quite amazing. But you know he was pointing out, you know some of the things that now I lost my train of thought because I was all I was I was having a bunch of man love for Greg Olson. But anyway, you know what I'm getting at? Oh, he was defending Dan Campbell as it was happening. Hey, you know what? People are gonna they're gonna say don't do it, but you know what? That's absolutely the right choice. And what I'm getting at is. 
Olsen's a pretty smart guy. So uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go with what Olsen does and what the odds are, the actual analytics say in this situation to go for it those two times on fourth down. Now, if he and, you know, we can all say, well, you never know, they might miss the field goal, blah, blah, blah. Yes, true. That is absolutely true. But at the same time, it's really kind of cool to, to kind of see how many different ways they are to win a football game, to skin a cat. And it's kind of fun the next day, I guess, to argue about it. But I don't know. I thought going for it, I would have went for the field goal because there was a chance earlier where he was contemplating going for it on fourth down, and he didn't, and they did get the field goal. I did not like the decision. As it was about to take place, I was really surprised. I was talking to a few other people. They were surprised. But you had a chance to tie the game, even though the analytics could have gone either way. In that situation, you're down by three, middle of the fourth quarter, maybe earlier in the fourth quarter. It was a 48-yarder, and it wasn't. I know people are saying, well, he must have not have had confidence in his kicker. That's not it at all. He did comment about that after the game, talking about he thought the Niners were going to get the ball back and just keep running the clock and winning the game that way. He said, I didn't want to play long ball, whatever exactly that means but he didn't want to give them an opportunity he went for the home run i thought though at that point man you had a chance to tie a game at that point in the fourth quarter i think you had to go for it but you got to give him credit for being aggressive if it works he's a genius it's yeah and you know what i mean i don't think you what i'm getting at is i don't think you can fault him i mean we we're all great at going well i wouldn't have done it well you're not an nfl football coach (laughs) either am i and uh, that, you know what, that's what makes it fun. I mean, that's what gave, made Ron Rivera Riverboat Ron and all the success he's had in coaching. But uh, hopefully the city is embracing Dan Campbell and not getting all over him. All right, it's 735. We're going to talk Rainbow Warrior basketball with Artie Wilson. That's coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. Talking the NFL playoffs, but it was an exciting weekend for University of Hawaii basketball getting back on the winning track after a couple of tough losses in a row. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu. You hear him every Friday morning here on ESPN Honolulu with On Point, also with Spectrum Sports, a color analyst for UH basketball. Artie Wilson back with us. Artie, your overall impressions of Saturday night? Well, a win is a win is a win. I mean, I'm just happy that the team was able to get it back in the winning winning ways. Uh, they played a team that was more desperate than they were, uh, but Hawaii found a way to get a win, and you got to be uh, be happy about that. Yeah, I think any way you get a win, I said the exact same thing, a win is a win is a win to somebody after the game as well. The first half, they did struggle a little bit, only up by three, and they were able to escape their lowest halftime score of the year, which was 20 a couple of weeks ago. They did get that 26, so that was a little concerning. They didn't shoot the ball very well. Second half, though, a different Rainbow Warrior team, I thought. Yeah, they played better. Uh, you know, this team is is still, I mean, let's not, let's not get it twisted here. This team is still a, a team that's got to find – the right formula to make to make a real run the last 10 or 11 games um you know they shot 40 46 free throws to get that win think about it they made 35 free throws in that game now a lot of those were at the end of the game when Cal Poly was fouling them intentionally but that's a lot of free throw attempts 
uh, to to get a win against a team that that was like I said pretty desperate and playing hard. But you know, there there's still some issues with this Hawaii team that need to be to be ironed out and worked out. Um, I'm not real sure what it is, to be honest with you, Gary. Uh, you both, you and Chris, have watched the games as much as I have. Um, I'm still, I'm still not quite certain what the, what the solution is to their problem. You think that if, if I can jump in here, you think the solution is to not start Jovan McClanahan? I know he got a lot of minutes, but is, were you curious about Tom Beatty starting that game? Yeah, I was. To be honest with you, I'm I'm a I think Jovan McClanahan is probably the one guy that that team needs desperately to because he I mean he's the smallest guy on the team he 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 has some some shortcomings when he does some things but but he brings you he brings you that desire and want to that some of the other guys don't come to the to the court with all the time. And he's been probably the most consistent uh, guy as far as uh, desire and want to. Now, bringing him off the bench, and that's a strategy that uh, the coaching staff has decided to take on a couple of occasions. Um, I personally like the the three-guard lineup with Noel, jo- uh, Javon, and Juan over 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 the Tom Beatty or the Ryan Rapp or, or the uh, Matthew Cotton at this point in time because right. these guys seem like they're ready to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but Javon has handled it. I mean, that's that's not easy to do. Here's an, an all-Big West uh, second-teamer last year, and he's coming in with, with ec- great expectations, and he has shown that he is a teammate and a and a team player because he's not had an attitude about it. He's come off the bench and done what they need him to do, and he's been, I think, still very much a factor in games. You mentioned Juan Munoz, and we know about his three point shooting. I wouldn't have said this a month ago, Artie, but I feel right now he is the best passing guard on this team. He has made some really perfect passes in transition, little pick and roll, guy rolling to the basket, and that's one of the things I didn't think I would really see as much with him. But he has shown that he can do other things besides shoot the three ball. Oh, Gary, no question about it. I said, I said uh, in the beginning that Juan Juan sees the floor. Um, really, really well. I mean, he see he he his vision is excellent. Juan's biggest problem was his legs coming back from all those surgeries and those injuries. His lower body wasn't as stable and firm and strong uh, early in the season, and that's understandable. So he could be knocked off. He could be knocked off of uh, his balance. But now that he's gotten a little more certain with his with his footing and his legs, he is he is running the point position like like you want to see a guy who can deliver basketballs. Not only is he seeing the floor well, he passes the ball with great touch, so that the guys receiving the passes can catch it and and finish. Because sometimes they're quick, sometimes they're soft, sometimes they're hard. But he understands when to, where to, and how to as far as passing the basketball. You know, and Juan has also been kind of the least the last couple of games 
kind of the master of the steal. I mean, some spectacular steals in the last two games, right? Well, both Juan and Javon have decided that they're going to try and impact the game, um, especially watching certain guys dribble. You know, if you're if you're a defensive guard and you recognize how a guy likes to dribble the basketball, you can anticipate what he's going to do. Let him think he's going by you, and then tip the ball away. Yeah. Juan does that real well, and Javon can do that as well. I think also he anticipates so many passes in that zone and intercepts them. I think he's had quite a few of those steals. He had six in the last two games, so I think he's done a great job defensively as well. Artie, I want to get your thoughts on Bernardo da Silva. He leads the Big West in field goal percentage at a little over 60% going into Saturday's game. Yet in the last two games, he's only attempted 10 field goals, seven against Santa Barbara, three against uh, Polly on Saturday night. And he's playing over 30 minutes. And I know the defense is collapsing on him. He's getting double teamed often. Do you think he needs to be able to get off more shots with that shooting percentage, especially considering how the rest of the team has been shooting lately? Yeah, I'd like to see Bernardo become more more uh, efficient. Now, that sounds crazy when he's leading the conference in score in uh, field goal percentage. But, you know, his, his shots are all, you know, three feet, four feet from the basket, which which is part of what their offense is designed to have. But, you know, if a guy is shooting that well, you want to get him more shots, but he's got to be decisive when he gets the basketball. That That's the – if there's one if there's one flaw to his game, sometimes when he gets the ball in the post, he's unsure of what he wants to do. When he gets the ball and just reacts and plays, he usually does something really pretty special. It's those right. times when they – when when uh, he gets the ball and then he has to think, where do I go with the ball? What do I do with the ball? Are they coming to double-team me? When he thinks, that's when he gets himself in trouble and he'll turn it over or, or, or not get a good look up. But when he catches and just plays, Bernardo is, is quicker than you think. He jumps pretty well. Uh, and and he, he knows how to, to utilize his, uh, his angles to get some shots off. And he needs to do more of that because – they're going to need his scoring. The other, the other guy that's got to come alive is is uh, McCoy, and Justin has got to be, in my mind, he's got to be more of a factor on the boards. You know, you cannot have you cannot have your four guy getting two, three rebounds a game. He's got to be a six to eight rebound guy a game every single game, and. I don't want to hear any excuses about where he's playing. He's he's playing outside in the perimeter. On defense, go grab rebounds, and and you got to get six to eight rebounds a game. Uh, he's able to do it. He's capable. He's physical. He's smart. He's athletic. He's got to go get rebounds. Between McCoy and Bernardo, they have to get twelve to fifteen rebounds every single game between the two of them. I agree. Artie, at this point right now at 3-6, and six, 11 games left in the conference, how confident are you that Hawaii, I know it's a crazy question, makes the Big West tournament and can maybe finish at as, a, as higher than a five seed to avoid that play-in or first-round game? I think well, a better way to put it would be, are you confident that they will do that? Well, I'm hopeful, and I believe that this team still has something special in them. My big concern is... Time is running out, and they've got to start to to 
potential is the absence of performance. They've got to stop talking about the potential that they have. They've got to now start to perform. Um, they have to they have to win, you know, games now. I mean, they, they start on, on Thursday. They've got to get a win. Then they go on Saturday against Irvine. They've got to get a win. They've got to find ways to, in spite of everything that's happened, to win games. Now, who would have thought when we talked about this team being maybe one of the best that Iran has had at the beginning of the season that we'd be talking about can they make it to the tournament and can they get a, a fourth or fifth place seed in the tournament uh, at the beginning of the year. But that's where we are. But you know what? This is still a team. As crazy as it may sound, this is a, still a team, in my opinion, that if they can they can get on a little roll, they could get to the tournament and they could – be kind of a dark horse and an upset specialist where they could get there and knock off a couple teams and, and, mm-hmm. and get a nice run going in the big West. Now it's going to require a whole lot of changes in their, in their mental makeup. And that's what I'm not sure if they have that. All right, Artie, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate you, man. Take care. And we'll see you on Friday. Thanks Artie. All right. You guys have a good one. All right, that's Artie Wilson, former point guard, we should also add, for the Rainbow Warriors uh, here, joining us on ESPN Honolulu. So, you know, looking at the standings, Hawaii is tied for eighth place, half a game out of ninth place. So Hawaii's still got work to do at three and six. I want to go over a couple of the stats and a couple of the positives uh, in this game as well. Coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Call the coach with Charlie Wade is going on tomorrow, 6.30 at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua. If you join us down there, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got prize giveaways and the latest on Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. Talk about the big win over nationally ranked Ball State and what's coming up for Warrior Volleyball. Once again, call the coach with Charlie tomorrow, 6.30. Be there. Aloha. We've got tickets to give away to see the electrifying Rainbow Wahine basketball team. This is for Thursday night uh, versus Cal State Fullerton at Simplify Arena in the Stan Sheriff Center. You want a couple of tickets to go? UB caller number three right now, 808-296-1420. And uh, those tickets are yours. Checking out a uh, couple of... um, the stats in this game bernardo da silva you were mentioning gary maybe he should you know maybe take some more shots or whatever it is uh he was one for three uh from the floor but he did have 10 rebounds and nine total points so almost a double double yeah but he he got fouled so many times and that's one thing i was going to say to Artie. i wouldn't let him on the plane tomorrow until he completes 100 free throws because that's going to cost them in games. He was awful again at the free throw line. It was Hacker Bernardo on Saturday night. And I would think right. a lot of teams are going to do this. He was 7 of 16, and that was only because I think he hit three of the last four to get up that high. He was 3 of 11 at one point or something like that. He was 3 of 9 on Thursday night against Santa Barbara. you got to hit those free throws because that's going to cost you. Other than that, yeah, I mean, he's doing a great job. And, again, the leading field goal percentage player in the Big West, get him the ball more, and it's not like he's passing it out a lot because he only averages one assist but getting the ball a little bit more you want him to take more shots yeah and it's but he he had a trouble driving getting close to the basket 
it seems like in that game uh, where, you know, in the non-conference schedule, he had no problem getting to the basket, but we'll see. Uh, congratulations to Noel Coleman uh, putting up uh, 23 points, 11 of 12 uh, free throws in that game. Uh, and really for the whole, to the whole team, now the three-point, they ended up still winning this game by 10 but, I mean, you know, going 4 of 21 for a team who's supposed to have all these sharpshooters, that's not a good number. I'll tell you what a good number is, eight turnovers total. Only one at the half. Only one at halftime. So they did a really good job taking care of the basketball. They they did get out-rebounded. And you know what, Polly, one thing I said about them in the pregame, even though their record is always near the bottom of the conference, they play a lot of teams tough, especially Hawaii. They're a little bit better than their record shows. They've got two players that I wish were on Hawaii. That's how good they were. One of them, Kobe Sanders. Yeah, that guy was good. And another guy, he didn't score a lot of points, but that Quinton Jones, is, is that the guy that's a freshman? Or was it Aaron Price? Well, he only or had, was it Kobe Sanders? Kobe, One of those guys is like a freshman. Kobe Sanders is a senior. I was looking at the guy off the bench, uh, Aiden Prukop. Those guys, he was hitting threes like crazy, a bank shot three at the end, yeah. and he had 23 <laughs> points off the bench. That's another legit player. All right, we got to go. We'll get our top stories we're following coming up next at 808-296-1420. That's the number you can uh, text in your thoughts on the uh, – upcoming Super Bowl, also the AFC and NFC championships. That and more coming up with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Hope you're staying dry. It's going to be breezy and, uh, well, hopefully cool. Breezy and cloudy with scattered showers basically through tomorrow. So, uh, hey, if you can, it's probably going to be a lot of traffic uh, headed on home. Uh, here's the top stories we're following. Of course, University of Hawaii football spring camp opens today. Yeah, great to have football back. I mean, we've got one NFL game in, but college football is here. Probably the earliest anybody in the country is starting spring practice, I would imagine. But it's, I'm glad that they are playing or practicing right now. We're allowed to start early because, uh, you know, we play on week zero. Well, we're not sure we're playing in week zero this year, are we? Not sure. They're still looking for a game. But there's other teams that play in week zero now. It used to be just one or two games. That was it. But even if you had to start a week later, because everybody pretty much will be in action the week after that, I don't think too many teams start the first week of February either for spring practice. Right. But but what I'm saying is only teams who will start with, who practice, excuse me, the only teams who play in week zero can start camp this early. You can start camp earlier if you're playing in week zero. Which is surprising because we don't have a game. Yeah. What's that? I, I know in summer camp you can start a week early. You know what? I, that... I take that back. You're probably right. You're probably right about that. All right. Let's move on here. Uh, we, uh, hey, good uh, weekend for UH Court Sports. All winners. Yeah, let's talk about the women's basketball team. By virtue of that win on Saturday where they hung on against Cal Poly, now there's a three-way tie for first. All right. And congratulations to Marvin from Kalihi. Uh, who just won the tickets to Wahine basketball a few minutes ago. I didn't get a chance to get that in. Yeah, they got Fullerton and Irvine this week. Irvine is one of the teams they're tied for first with, uh, with Santa Barbara as well, the team they lost on Thursday. But Laura Beeman and her team doing a great job. And Lily Wahine Kapu, congratulations. Point one thousand in your career as a college player. I'm sure there's many more to come, but great job, Lily, once again. All right, very good. Let's see what else is going on. Oh, okay, the men's volleyball team went on the road. And uh, in Muncie, Indiana, 
beating Ball State. Don't forget, call the coach with Charlie Wade is tomorrow at 6.30 at Ruby Tuesday. But uh, good day offensively for Spiros Hakas with 14 slam downs. Alakai Todd had 12 uh, for the Rainbow Warriors. It seems like the last several matches I've seen Alakai Todd's name as the leader of the kill list. He also led them with eight digs yesterday, but he's becoming that player who is kind of like Cole Hoagland in a way last year where all of a sudden this guy is on the team contributing, but now he's one of the main players, and we're seeing those numbers really increase, it seems, early in the season. And that's why you play your depth uh, coming up, right? Uh, Chaz Galloway, by the way, 10 kills, too. Uh, we should mention, uh, uh, as Kanoa calls him, Chaz Mataz uh, in our report as well. But congratulations, Charlie Wade and Warriors. Way to go. Uh, they're going to come home and play Tusculum. Is it Tusculum? Yes, coming up this week? Friday, Friday night. All right, we'll give away tickets to that this hour. Keep listening for that here on ESPN Honolulu. The uh, Motivate Foundation HHSAA Girls Soccer State Championships begin today uh, with a D1 and D2. They'll get underway on Wednesday. One thing I love about February and high school sports, I mean, there's always great sports seasons for high school, but in February you got soccer, you've got basketball, boys and girls, volleyball not that far off. There's so much going on in championships in high school sports starting in February. That's good. Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas featuring the Chiefs and 49ers. I think it's so funny. We mentioned the stat last week, but it's so funny that Patrick Mahomes in his short, what is it, five years, six years, whatever it is, Patrick Mahomes has never not played in an AFC championship game. That's that's pretty (laughs) incredible. I mean, right now, after this year is done, you can say you you should we should be right now. We should be describing Patrick Mahomes as a future Hall of Famer. If he does, if he quits football February 12th, he's done enough to get into the Hall of Fame, and that can't be argued. If he quit last February 12th, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's been that outstanding. I saw somebody write last night. How do you compare him with maybe Tom Brady and Joe Montana as one of the greats of all time? To me, you don't compare him yet because their story is done. His is it's just in the beginning of the peak years. I mean, he's got a lot of playoff football left. Before all is said and done, I have a feeling he might outshine both of those guys. You know, and people, um, you can compare. We could be comparing Andy Reid with Bill Belichick. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. When all is done. Uh, is it only on Super Bowls? You know, people who are Patriots fans are arguing, well, it's Super Bowl appearances. Right? The Patriots have been to, I don't know, nine Super Bowls or I something think. crazy like that. They've been they've won six and they've lost two or three. I know they lost to the Giants twice. And the Eagles. And the Eagles. So nine Super Bowls. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Andy Reid. I mean, if he makes it to the same amount of Super Bowls, unbelievable. And you'll have the same debate that you have now. Was it Andy Reid or was it Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, it could be. I think they go hand in hand. Andy Reid with Philadelphia. Didn't he go to NFC Championship games, I think, four or five years in a row? So he's Something been, like that. That's been, why they fired him. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> he's been to like, what, 10 or 11 as a head coach, which is crazy. Think and now another e- Super Bowl. Think if you're an Eagles fan. I thought of this the other day. I mean, if you're an Eagles fan now and you're watching your team just collapse and die a slow death at the end of the season, it's just you watch them loss after loss after loss after loss. 
And it's like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And across the country, they're celebrating, Andy Reid, yeah, going to the Super Bowl again. You're like, oh, my gosh. Nick Sirianni's uh, honeymoon has worn off a little. Now they got Kellen Moore as the OC and Vic Fangio as the DC there. Right. And, uh, and, and maybe that'll turn out to be good. But you, have, you, you also have, uh, let's see, where, Doug Peterson. Was Doug Peterson with the Eagles? Jacksonville. Yeah. He was. They won a Super Bowl. Ja- he, was with the, he was with the Eagles. And then the owner didn't want Jalen Hurts. And then Doug Peterson stuck with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts turned out to be a star. Now, this year he kind of collapsed, but I think the whole team kind of just collapsed. But, uh, you know, it's he got fired because he hitched his wagon to Jalen Hurts. And now look at him making the playoffs unexpectedly in Jacksonville turning that franchise around in one season. Oh, they didn't make it this year. They made it last year, and they did oh, a good last job. Oh, sorry. But, but, but yeah, still, they were that year. close this but year. But he turned it around like that. Yeah, yep. And I think one of the other knocks on Peterson, which is crazy, is that he wasn't winning games by a wide enough margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, come on, as an ownership group, that's what you're focusing on? Well, and that's what you get. But that's what you get. If you're David Tepper and you own the team for three years and you had four coaches? Yes. When uh, what's the new coach of the uh, uh, Carolina is is it Canales? That guy's going to coach the Tampa Bay OC. Yes. Yes. So he's going to coach where Carolina, Carolina. Carolina, Yes. Think about what a what a junk job that is (laughs) right now. Yes. Right. But it's a job about it because, hey, if you struggle, I mean, they got a bad team. They have a pretty good defense. They have a quarterback that needs a lot of help. They have an offensive line that needs a lot of help. There's a, it's, it's not a, not a team that is going to win right off. So and you're going in there, you're going in there and knowing, hey, you know what? If I don't finish at least 500, I'm gone because that's been their track record. Why would you? I would rather be the OC at Tampa Bay. Yeah, you would think that. And also the fact that they gave up how many draft picks to get Bryce Young. Their first round this year goes to Chicago. So they don't even get that number one pick that they could have had. And there's a few other draft picks and players they gave up for the future who is not exactly the future right now, Bryce Young. Well, he he could be. I mean, he's got that it factor. You saw it in college. But maybe he's one of those guys you need. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa could be in the same situation. If he was playing for Carolina, we'd be saying the same thing about Tua. I mean, look at what what the Dolphins built around him. Now, luckily for um, Tua... The Dolphins, even though they were drafting at number five that year, I believe it was number five, weren't that far off. The Carolina Panthers are really far off. And you would think Frank Reich might have had a little something to help Bryce Young development in the NFL, but he only got a half a year to try it, and that didn't work out. So they're a mess. They're a big mess, right? And without the draft picks, yeah, they're even a bigger mess for next year. Okay. Uh, Call in 808-296-1420. Or, um, excuse me, I have to do it like everybody else here does. 296-1420 is the number. You can text in at that number as well. Thank you, guys. This one says, Vegas will be wild. It always is during the uh, Super Bowl, (laughs) isn't it? Yes. Northern Cal 49ers fans will invade $8,000 per ticket minimum. 
I would think those are probably the top seats. I haven't checked the oh, ticket prices, but they're going to be expensive. You know that in Vegas. And I heard they're expecting like 330,000 people that weekend uh, or that week of the game. I don't know how much more that is than normal, but, yeah, it's going to be a madhouse. And Niners fans have a pretty short trip. Even for Kansas City, it's not that far away. No, it isn't. And uh, <laughs> you, you, you get to stay. I wonder where they stay, what hotel they stay in. I know NBA teams, when they go there for their Olympic trials and those all-star games with the players in the summer, they stay at the win. So if you're going to stay anywhere on the Strip, you'd probably go somewhere exclusive like that. Other Uh. than that, it might be a resort off the Strip. I don't think you want your team on the Strip with a lot of of crowds during the Super Bowl week. They don't don't stay at the Cal? (laughs) No. I don't think they stay anywhere. They don't stay at the main station. They get the free coupon books, They get the buffet, yeah. (laughs) No. No, they don't. They don't do that. I'm just curious. They I, I like. I like staying at the Cal. All right. Uh, hey, here's a text. How about some love for the UH women's water polo, ranked four last week and maybe higher this week? Yeah, they beat up on Fresno State. Good job. This is a great year so far for the Wahine volleyball team. Water also polo. wanted water polo. Also wanted. That was yeah. I don't know what's wrong with my brain today. I'm just very excited again. Also want to say congratulations to the Rainbow Wahine sailing team. Uh, They uh, just won the Jeff Simon Women's Regatta. Uh, It was hosted by UC San Diego for the third straight year. The Rainbow Wahine won this tournament. Uh, They entered two teams against a field of five other schools. UH's top squad of Mercy Tangretti and Morgan Carew and Vivian Bonsager. And Anna Kalabukova tallied for a regatta low 16 points. They got a lot of birdies, I guess. <laughs> Congratulations uh, once again uh, to Coach Andy Johnson and his team. Their next uh, tournament's coming up in mid-February. But a uh, good couple of days for the men and the women sailors of Hawaii. Uh, we're going to talk with Ben Volan from the Boston Globe in a few minutes. Uh, I'm checking out our texts at 808-296-1420. Daryl texted in, Gary, and he's helping you out. He said it's $7,000, $7,031 for nosebleed seats for the Super Bowl. Wow. Oh, boy. (laughs) I wonder how much it costs, or even if they're even for sale, to sit in the uh, club area that has uh, bottle service, right, in the end zone. Oh, that Can you area. imagine mm. how much that, 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 that it's a, probably a million dollars. You know what? Only people like Zuckerberg or somebody like that is going to be sitting there. As a million dollars, you can sit there. But even that, like, you know, like when they go in these playoff games on the road, like Barry Sanders was in a suite yesterday uh, for the Detroit Lions. I know the ownership group, ownership usually gets a suite on the road, but like for Taylor Swift, Patrick Mahomes' wife and them, do they just buy that suite? Or how do they get it? Because those are expensive. Like well, you it's said. not a suite. It's not a suite. Well, it's a luxury box, they call them. No, no, no. Not the club seats. The club level they're on the floor in the end zone. I know. I'm talking about the luxury oh. suites as well as far as the celebrities oh. like that. Like Eminem was in, the, was in a suite yesterday, and he had a nice gesture for the 49ers fans that I thought was pretty funny. He kind of gave them a one-figured salute, and they were taking pictures. They seemed to enjoy that. Yeah. Anyway, the, uh, so how you get it, I don't know. But I'm sure Taylor Swift can afford it. I'm oh, sure, yeah. you know what, she should, I don't know if she's a drinker or if you want to do it, but I did, well, you know what? For security reasons, Taylor Swift should probably be up in a uh, a suite. Yeah, yeah. That's and what if, she's done every game so far. 
yes. And I think that the NFL would make that happen. But how many suites do they have? Over? I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want them. I, mean, I know. Oh, I just wonder if, if anybody, like if they pay of for them. them. You've been in the stadium. Yeah, yeah I just you, wonder if the NFL the pays for them and gives them to celebrities or they have to purchase them because they would go for quite a price. By the way, she's got a concert in Japan on Saturday. And right. she's made a, some kind of a, uh, an avenue, so to speak, for herself to be able to get there in game time. Obviously, she a made an avenue for herself? A, a chartered flight to get there as quickly as possible. They yeah. say somehow she can get there by kickoff. Yeah, she'll. Uh, that's what her plan is. But she'll get there by kickoff. That's the plan. Hopefully, there's not a, a delay in the flight because you know, I mean, people want to see Taylor Swift. I want to see Taylor Swift. I don't even like her songs, but I want to see Taylor Swift. She's fun, and Brittany Brittany Mahomes needs a friend, and you know, Travis Kelsey needs a pal, and Mrs. Kelsey. By the way, I don't know if you heard this over the weekend. The Kelsey's father. Mr. Kelsey came out and said that the actual pronunciation of their last name is Kels. And that people have been mispronouncing it all these years, and they just don't correct anybody anymore. But the actual pronunciation is Kels. Tell his sons that, because they pronounce it wrong, too. Then. Well, they, they just go in with the flow now. Again, they, they, right. they corrected people early on, but now they just don't. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, you can uh, text in 808-296-1420. This is a text on basketball. Cal Poly is not a good basketball team. What was worse, oh, is the singer Saturday night? I thought the singer was awesome. I thought there was some criticism. He's a little off key. <laughs> People oh, I thought he was awesome. He didn't take his cap off, didn't know the words to the national anthem and Hawaii Ponui. Oh, I didn't yeah, he, he had messed up. I, 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 he got one of them wrong. I remember on um, the national anthem. Ah, oh, poor guy. Maybe he was nervous. You know, it's not like he's getting those guys get paid for going out there. So yeah, give the guy a break. I, I thought it was pretty good. By the way, somebody texted in. We got a couple of texts, and Billy V says, "If you're a veteran, please, you know, you're you're encouraged to salute during the national anthem." So I asked my son, who's in the military. And I said, "Is that right? You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to salute if you're a veteran. You're not in the military. You don't salute anymore." He says, "No, you can. It's up to you." And then he was like, "It's dumb," but <laughs> but he said, "No, it's it's not um, it's not politically incorrect to salute if you want to if you're a veteran. Now, if you're not a veteran or not in the military, you don't salute the flag. You put your hand on your heart." Or put your hands at your side. But, yeah, he's saying, because I was like, oh, these people are texting in. They say it's dumb. You're not supposed to. He goes, nah, you can. But he said, you can, but nobody does. So to clear that up. You yeah, know, he makes the announcement about taking off your caps as well, which pretty much Which follows. makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It shouldn't have to be said. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're a lady, you don't have to. Ah, it's, right, it's, right, right. It's men. Mm-hmm. Right? If yeah. you're wearing a hat and you go to church, you take your hat off when you go into the church. Unless you're a lady, you can keep your hat on. That's just how it is. Although, in uh, you know, today's day and age, who knows? I probably just upset about five people <laughs> for saying that. Coming up next, Ben Volan from the Boston Globe. Going to talk some NFL. Want to let you know about H-Camp. It's the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. They remind parents, coaches, and athletes that you can learn more about recognizing concussion symptoms. It's a great website to have uh, as kind of a service to uh, all of our athletes out there. Uh, check it out, hawaiiconcussion.com. We'll be right back with Ben. And there's no rest. 
Hope you're having a great Kahala Monday. It's the Sports Animals here. This is ESPN Honolulu. Before we bring Ben Volan on, want to let you know uh, about our bulletin board from Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. Life matters. Uh, once again, families affected by disasters urgently need support. And you can help out the American Red Cross to provide help and hope. Uh, go to redcross.org. And let's talk some more NFL. Joining us, he is a senior NFL writer at the Boston Globe, an AP NFL voter as well. Joining us once again, Ben Volan. Ben, great to have you on again. And I will start with the latest edition of The Decision, this one by Dan Campbell. A few of them on fourth down in that second half yesterday. I know it's easy in hindsight to criticize. What were your thoughts at the time when Dan Campbell appeared to uh, not go for the field goal and go for it on fourth and three? Yeah, I think it's very easy to sit here and criticize the decision, especially with 2020 hindsight, knowing that, uh, you know, neither, neither of those fourth down decisions came through, but especially the first one that would have put the Lions up by 17 points. But look, being aggressive is what the Lions have done all year. It's a big reason why they got to the NFC Championship and had such a successful season. And I, I understand um, Dan Campbell's line of thinking. It's like it's fourth and two. You've got a shaky kicker who only got called up to the roster in December. You're looking at like a 47-yard field goal outside. I think if you're Dan Campbell, you're looking at the worst-case scenario. And to him, you'd rather go down swinging and fail on fourth and two than kind of you know, give in and send your kicker out there and have him miss a field goal anyway. That could be, I think, even doubly deflating. So I, I'm, I'm okay with the decision. The analytics actually agreed with Dan Campbell's decision to go for it on each decision. It, it wasn't a strong agree, but it was like uh, enough where, at, 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 you know, at best it's probably a 50-50 decision. And, you know, that's uh, sometimes they go in your way and sometimes, you know, they backfire spectacularly like they did for the Lions yesterday. But I think on the whole, Dan Campbell's aggressive coaching all year is what got the Lions to where they were. And, you know, you live by it and you die by it. And unfortunately, it, it, it bit them yesterday. But I, I don't blame Dan Campbell. I think the defense, you know, kind of folding in the second half, that was a much bigger issue for the Lions than those fourth down calls. How did things change so quickly? I mean, at the half, I thought the game was possibly over, which is crazy in a championship game with San Francisco, especially trailing. I know there was a lot of time left. How did the Tiger, uh, the Tiger, how did the Lions fold as much as they did, especially defensively? And they didn't even score until that last touchdown with less than a minute left in the second half. Yeah, exactly. And, and I do think that uh, when they did miss on those fourth down opportunities, it probably was a bit deflating for the, the players, no question. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously those were opportunities to really kind of seize the moment and, and the Lions didn't. And so, uh, you know, I, I think they, they just got tight in the second half. That's a team that hadn't really been on that stage before. Uh, the Niners, you have to give them all the credit in the world for, for waking up after halftime. Brock Purdy, second game in a row, he really stepped up in the second half. You know, there's all that talk about how he couldn't play from behind. He's kind of a front runner. I think he's put those questions to bed the last couple of weeks with, with the big comeback against the Packers and now an even bigger comeback, 17 points uh, from halftime against the Lions. You know, Brock Purdy and the, and the Niners were one of the best offenses all season, and they finally snapped to it in the second half. And it's not like the Lions statistically were some great defense this year. Uh, so I, I just think the moment probably got a little too big for the Lions. For the Lions and, and the Niners, they've been on the stage many times before. This was their fourth uh, NFC Championship game in five years. 
that's a veteran team that knows how to win, you know, knows what it takes in the fourth quarter. And I think, frankly, that was probably the difference yesterday. Yeah, Ben Volan from the Boston Globe is joining us. Was it just me or did we all go, wow, Brock Purdy's pretty fast? Yeah, he's he's got better wheels on him than you would expect. I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants to be uh, calling too many designed quarterback runs. But, you know, one thing you've got to love about Brock Purdy is, is the game just kind of comes naturally to him. And uh, from the moment he stepped on the field last year, nothing – Nothing has been too big for him. It's been very impressive to watch for a, a guy drafted that low with no expectations just come in and, and really have a mastery of the situational football and, and the pace of the game not being too fast for him. And he, you know, it's not like he's looking to, to run by any stretch, but he sees the opening and he takes it and, he, and he's very smart about it. Um, Brock Purdy, like I said, you know, with the t- two straight weeks with the big comeback, answering every doubt about him and, uh, you know, I, I think is really um, taking that next step. And it, it's going to be a fascinating Super Bowl because I, I do think Brock Purdy is a game where he's going to be ready for the moment. Let's talk a little bit about the AFC Championship game. I know it was the number one and number two defenses in the AFC, but I was surprised that in that second half there were only three points scored and the game was as low scoring as it was. I know the weather might have had something to do with it, Lamar Jackson, your evaluation of his performance overall, the interception in the fourth quarter, of course, and how they played uh, not winning that game when it looks like everything was lining up for them to go to the Super Bowl this year. You know, you hate to be too harsh on Lamar Jackson, but I think he and the Ravens, they choke. And I, I do think it starts with him. To score only 10 points, I know the Chiefs have an excellent defense, but the, the Ravens' D played well enough for the team to win that game. To shut out the Chiefs in the second half, there were opportunities there for Lamar and the Ravens. And I think, frankly, that, that Zay Flowers fumble on, on the goal line, that right. was the killer. That, that's what really, I think, took the wind out of their sails. Um, but they still had opportunities to, to come back. And Lamar throwing that interception in the end zone late in the fourth quarter, just inexplicable. You know, for, you can't be making those mistakes, you know, even in week one, let alone uh, on the biggest stage in the AFC Championship game. Throw, forcing a pass, it was only second down. You're, you're in touchdown range, forcing it into triple coverage. Um, just, you know, and, and I, what I found even more maddening was the clock management at the end. Um, you know, they, they need to get the ball down the field in a hurry, and Lamar's just sitting there dancing, 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 and finally takes off on a five-yard scramble, gets tackled in bounds, wastes all the time. He just was not seeing the field yesterday. He was not, he, you know, he was playing tight like everyone else. And um, not fair to put it all on Lamar Jackson, but the reality is he's now 2-4 and four in the postseason. Second time in his career that he had the number one seed and failed to make it to the Super Bowl. It, that was a, a brutal, brutal loss yesterday, and it starts with him. So uh, tremendous season for Lamar Jackson. He deserves the MVP and, and every award coming his way. But that was a choke yesterday. That was really tough to watch. Cool thing if Detroit would have won, we would have had a rematch of the opening Thursday night game of the season, Kansas City and Detroit, where the Lions won. That's not happening. I want to get your thoughts, still with 13 days left before the Super Bowl, about uh, the uh, San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City going at it once again. I will say as a journalist, I was rooting for either Baltimore or Detroit yesterday, especially Detroit, because that, that, that was such a great story all year. But just to have something different at the Super Bowl and – Chiefs Niners, it's going to be a fantastic game. Uh, but man, I am sick of these teams. And I feel like America, we know everything there is to know about both of these teams. We see them every Sunday on national TV. 
They've been in the spotlight for five years now. Um, it's going to be a tremendous game, but to me it's going to be a little bit of a slog getting through the two weeks. I, I mean, what else is there to say about, especially the Chiefs, that, that hasn't been said already. There's a little bit of you know new material with the 49ers, but you know it's kind of like old reliable, but it's, it's the two marquee teams and, and all the big names, and, and certainly for a Vegas Super Bowl, you know, you couldn't have bigger personalities um, or bigger stakes. You know, there's a lot. The Chiefs are going for their third Super Bowl title in five years, and they're talking about chasing the Patriots dynasty now. The 49ers, it could be their sixth Super Bowl win in franchise history. That would tie the Patriots and the Steelers for most ever. So historically, there's a lot at stake for for this game. And I think football-wise, the key will be can the Chiefs, uh, hold the Niners to 20 points. The, the Chiefs have a fantastic defense, number two in scoring, and the 49ers were 0-5 this year when it held to 20 or fewer points. doesn't happen often, but if you can kind of slow the game down, uh, you can win a rock fight against the, uh, the 49ers. And I, I don't know if the Chiefs have the ammunition anymore to really get into a shootout. So uh, to me, it'll, it'll be all about that Chiefs defense and whether they can make life miserable for Brock Purdy. Hey, Ben, one last question for you. Uh, Bill Belichick did not get the coaching job, obviously, in Atlanta or L.A. Where do you think he is next year? Is he going to be coaching? Will he be on TV or somewhere else? Yeah, I don't think he'll be coaching. The the opportunities are quickly drying up, and he's not getting much interest at all. The the Atlanta Falcons were the only team to publicly express interest in Belichick, and I think the reality is is he's going to be a 72-year-old coach He's someone who, um, you know, wants probably a lot of say in how the team is run and personnel. And I don't know if teams are willing to give that over to Belichick anymore at this point. And so I think, you know, he'll have options as far as does he want to do TV. I think he'd actually be very good as a studio analyst. Uh, Maybe he does stuff for NFL Films. He's always had a great relationship with those guys. Uh, I could see him consulting, traveling around a little bit, you know, going to different teams that whether it's um, pro or NCAA level, um, he can be a consultant. So there's obviously always room in the game for Belichick, but I don't think it does a coach anymore. It'd be kind of cool to see him. He's not getting a job this year. Yeah, he's not getting a job this year, and and I don't think he's probably ever going to get a job again. Interesting to hear that. Well, we've got 13 days before the Super Bowl. Should be a great one, as you said. Ben, always great talking the NFL with you. We'll talk again soon. All right, thanks a lot. All right, thank you. Ben Boland, senior NFL writer for the Boston Globe, joining us on ESPN Honolulu. All right, and speaking of, I guess we're not allowed to say Super Bowl, speaking of the big game, of you can watch the World Championship with friends at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar. We've been talking about them all season long. They got the big video wall and a great new menu, crispy lechon pork. Chili with bacon-wrapped hot dogs. They've got burgers, pizza made to order, chopped steak, garlic shrimp. Oh, the list. It's a big menu, too, so you have a lot of choices. If you want to watch the Super Bowl in style, I mean the big game in style, make it 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl in the Pearl City Shopping Center.
All right, Marvin from Kalihi won some basketball tickets last hour. Right now, let's give away volleyball tickets. You want a pair of men's volleyball tickets for uh, Friday night at the Stan Sheriff Center as the Bows come back to town uh, facing Tusculum. Uh, hopefully, it, it should be about an hour and a half match. <laughs> I, I, I Coach Wade must hate that kind of talk. But, hey, you want to win tickets? Be caller number one. you got to be fast. First caller gets the tickets now, 808-296-1420. Uh, remember, we have Call the Coach tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua, uh, with Charlie Wade. And uh, we'll look forward to some more volleyball talk after that first road trip of the season. I, I want to go back to UH men's basketball for a minute. Uh, they had the nice win on Saturday night. Yes, against it was a bottom feeder, but I thought they looked good a lot better than they have in recent games. But looking ahead to the schedule this week and the standings in the Big West, I think, and again, I said it on Saturday before the game, that that was a must-win, which sounds crazy to ever have oh, that no, set up against does. Cal Poly. But that yeah, was the case, crazy. I think, regarding, no. especially regarding the circumstances and where they were in the standing. It comes into play again on Thursday against Cal State Fullerton. They have already beaten us. We know that. And they're yep. a game ahead of us or a half game ahead of us in the standing. Irvine's going to be really tough on Saturday. And if somehow they go 0-2 on this road trip, which I think is a possibility. I'm hoping they go 1-1 one one at least. But they're going to be near that bottom spot again. And when I look at the Big West yep. standing, I discount San Diego totally. I don't know why anybody would count them in the standing. The win-loss record means something. But they're not eligible for the postseason, so you eliminate them. And then you have Hawaii right now in seventh place, or a tie for seventh and eighth with Bakersfield. Uh, we know that San Diego's not going. We know that Cal Poly, I guess you could say, pretty much isn't going either. That leaves one more team to not make the Big West Tournament. I, I hope Hawaii, and I feel confident they can still make the Big West Tournament, A. But then the other thing to remember, and I, I had forgotten about it, is the format for the Big West Tournament this year. It's different. Not only do only eight teams make it, but there's a double buy for one and two. There's a single buy for third and fourth place, which means if you're fifth through eighth, in order to go to the championship, you've got to win three games in three days just to advance. It makes it really difficult to win four and four to win it. But you have to get in there first and then hopefully advance. I have a feeling right now, and I'm hoping I'm wrong on this, that Hawaii is going to be fifth through eighth. If they can put together a few wins against a team like Irvine or Davis coming up, who they haven't played yet, then they have a chance to maybe get in that top four. But being in fifth through eighth puts you in a really tough spot in the Big West Tournament. I was so fearful of this two weeks ago, of this conversation right now. Well, let's not count that team because they can't make it to the tournament. You know what? Hawaii's in eighth place. They're tied for the eighth best team. In the Big West tournament, uh, excuse me, the Big West standings, true or false? Not as far as Big West tournament play is. No, they're not. It's false. In the Big West standings. But that doesn't mean closely. anything for this conversation. I'm, I'm making a point here. In the Big West standings, we're tied for eighth place, correct? Yes. Okay, this is the conversation. The top eight teams get in. So right now, when you're talking about the tournament, oh, look, we're actually seventh. And if, you know, we're tied for seventh. And if we can somehow get a victory here and so-and-so loses, we'll move up to – we want to get that fourth-round bye. I mean, the, the fourth seed bye. We're, at this point in the season, hoping for fourth place. What the heck is wrong with this conversation we're having? Is it just me, 
or are we we're going hey, okay if we uh, do this and well they get eight teams in and we're going to get in now Artie Wilson was on earlier and um you know Hawaii could make a run in the tournament but I was just so fearful of this conversation of okay here we are especially with all the hype leading into the season of well we're in eighth place but there's 11 games left look Hawaii could go on a run we could find that maybe that magic combination is starting um starting Juan and Noel and Jovan as um you know starting guards and sure Hawaii looked good against a team that hasn't won in conference play I think everybody in the Big West has probably looked good playing Cal Poly so let's not let's not get too far ahead of ourselves now I remain positive I I think they have the talent and for whatever reason this thing is not gelling where you put you know two halves together or you know these right combinations that you're looking for sometimes you'll see Bernardo being a stud other times you're like why doesn't he just drive to the basket it's I don't know about these questions we're having still this deep into the season I think that's what's making some fans um a little wary I mean at the same time you know, look at Noel Coleman comes off of 23 points. You're playing Division One college basketball. Scoring 23 points is pretty good no matter who you're playing. I get that. But at the same time, let's see how we do. You're going to have to win on the road. You're going to have to win on the road. And we've had a hard time lately, for whatever reason, even winning at home. So we face Fullerton, who's had our number, not just this year, but in the past. Now we got him on the road. That's a number that, you know, to me... That's just as hard a game as playing Irvine on the road for mm. Hawaii for whatever reason. For whatever reason, Hawaii has matchup problems with Cal State Fullerton. Now, look, Hawaii could come back 2-0, and and we're having a different conversation on Monday. Could. I think that's a long ways off. But one of the things I say about uh, if you're going to compare Irvine and Fullerton as both being difficult because Fullerton has beaten us. Irvine beats us by 20. A lot of the time, uh, Fullerton has beaten us in overtime twice of these last four or five games. A one or two point win here and there. They're they're barely getting by, and give them credit for winning those games. Those are anybody's games down the stretch, and Hawaii's been on the wrong side of them in the last couple of years. That's for sure. Irvine, yep. though, those games aren't close for the most part down the stretch. We did beat them last year once, but for yeah. the most part, when they beat us, they beat us by 15, 20 points. Congratulations so- to Gary from Kailua. He called in and won volleyball tickets thank you very much uh more for you to win coming up on uh, let's talk sports with kanoa Leahy and in the afternoon time uh with the off the bench crew it's 8 46 here with the sports animals weather today is going to be breezy and cloudy got some scattered showers through at least tomorrow high about 80 low 70 and folks we uh, hope you're having a nice kahala monday because you can upgrade your island style with kahala that's why we bring it up Kahala is the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Get one for yourself at one of their six stores here on the island or at kahala.com. Fifty-one with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth is, uh, uh, of course, uh, besides uh, being our right-hand man, he's also the editor 
at uh, Kaleo, the newspaper, um, uh, UH newspaper, and uh, you got a list of jersey number changes. It happens every year where you're an unknown guy and you pick from the bottom of the pile. Then you have a, you're have you a star and uh, you get to choose your numbers first. So what are we looking at? Who's changing jersey numbers for Rainbow Warrior football? So one of the bigger ones is one of our breakout stars from last year, Pofele Ashlock. He wasn't a big fan of 86, I guess. So he's going down to zero. One of the first oh. ever starters to get zero there. I like 86. You can make that number your own. Did anybody wear zero last year? Uh, solo. Yes. Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay, who, what else do we got? Uh, Elijah Robinson. Uh, formerly, he was a one-year kind of transfer guy from Eastern Carolina. He's coming back this year, and he is switching from 22 to zero. So we'll have zero represented on both sides of the field. Um, a wow, couple of, I like 20. So that makes 22 available. That's a good number. A couple, okay, what else? What else? A couple of notable guys. Uh, Elijah Palmer, the true freshman starting nickel from last year. Oh, yeah. We'll yeah, move yeah, from yeah. 28 to 9. So okay, a lot of guys digits. going to single digits. This is what right, this because that's, mostly that's is. what everyone does. Everyone wants to. You want to get the single digits. That's the most desirable. So uh, 28 to 9. Okay, you know what? He played good enough. He can get single digits. What else? Um, we have Alex Perry going from 88 to 4. I can go rapid fire on this if you don't mind. 88 to 4. No, Tari- I do mind. It's okay. my show, not yours. Oh, okay. I didn't know what you wanted. Four. <laughs> I'm just teasing, but 88 to 4. Okay, the single digits. Okay, what else you got? We got Tariq Jones going from 43 to 5, the defensive end. Okay, that must mean they, he's getting pretty good because they let him pick. Was Jalen Walthall number 4 last year? Yes, he was. Okay. Uh, you have Justin Sinclair, the Juco corner, going from 21 to 6. Uh, Carson Pupunu uh, going from 83 to 11. Uh, All right. Big Eddie Osei-Niketia not only moving from his – he's the uh, track star that came on last year from New Zealand. He's going from 80 to 33 and moving to running back. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, little maybe we'll have a little thunder and lightning there. Yeah, and then all, we just got to find a thunder. And then to round out the list, you have Kona Moore going from thirty to number two, and Matthew Bailiff going from here's the biggest number change, forty-seven to forty-six. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. That's cute. Maybe that's a, a number he had or something, and it, it, it's available. Who went from what to number two? Uh, Kona Moore go, goes from thirty to two. Kona Moore from St. Louis. What does he play? Corner. So he plays either uh, safety or uh, cornerback. I think he's more of a safety than anything. Does he deserve number two? Well, last year he had to sit out, I believe, with a knee injury. So So it was unfortunate for him. And who's wearing four again? Four, that is Alex Perry. Okay, because Cam Stone is still wearing four also, right? Yes, but they're on two different sides of the field. Yes. All right, very good. Thank you, Tanner Hayworth. Uh, there you go. Some uh, number changes to look forward to, I guess. That's a lot of single digits that were available, though. But it's like, but it's like that every year. Every year you're gonna because you're the as you get up, you get to change, right? As well, you get that, more yeah. established, or as you get older, they pick the single. So you only are around for a little while. Who's number one? Uh, that's Peter Manuma and oh, yeah. Jonah Pinoke. Okay, all right. So Jonah's still with us, right? Yeah, yeah yes. he came coming back. 
Oh, okay, that's why the number because usually number one's like the first digit to go, right? I mean, the first uh, jersey number to go if it's available. But a lot of changes. That seems like seems like a lot right now. And again, all those single digit numbers to have that many available in one season. Again, you can do it offensively and defensively, so you you do have two at the same number. All right, so practice is going on. I was listening to uh, you guys talk about uh, somebody saying that Micah Alihado uh, had a perfect scoring strike, I guess, in one of these, uh, you know, practice sessions there today. Yeah, Tanner was saying that. I guess he heard some of the report. They did start at 7 a.m., so I guess they're about to wrap it up now, and it is day number one. But off to a good start. We heard Timmy Chang last week. He was on with Bobby Curran talking about uh, Alejado and kind of hinting that it's not such a bad thing to redshirt. Not definitely saying that, but talking about the quarterbacks they have. Shager's the guy right now. And even though he's kind of familiar with this offense and with Dan Morrison, what he has said about Alejado, I, I get the sense that that could happen. Again, that's not a bad thing. Give him an extra well, year here. Well, it, it is if, you're, if your starting quarterback goes down. Uh, but, you know, we don't know much, and we haven't heard much the last couple of years about the other quarterbacks uh, for the University of Hawaii. Because I know we got like six of them. Any word on any of those other guys? Any rumblings you're hearing? I think we I think we'll be down to four because we have Jake Farrell, uh, John Kiabi Saka, Polo Telly, and I thought that was it. I heard I think it was a quote by Timmy Chang saying it is a kind of a small quarterback room right now, but but I think it is wow. one of those four. Wow, so four quarterbacks. What what would June Jones think? Didn't <laughs> yeah, June Jones have at too. least like eight quarterbacks or something like that? <laughs> Seemed like that, yes, it did. Mm. Big difference there. But, I mean, how, how many of them are going to play anyway? So I think Ford's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. All right. Uh, well, we hope uh, everybody enjoys the rest of your day today. Uh, it is the start of the 20, 2023 income tax filing season today. I just wanted to bring that up. Hopefully you're getting a refund. Yes. But, uh, yeah, as of today, the IRS is accepting your returns. And uh, you can claim your kid for an $1,800 tax credit. Wow. Can I claim your kid for that? I don't have any kids oh, anymore. You don't. Uh, anyway. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, coming up at noon, Kanoa Leahy and then uh, Josh and Hunter at 3 o'clock. Aloha.